0: Cool, good morning everyone. Um, Yeah, we are going to start a new series this week um, on repentance. And yeah, we've been talking, or Greg was talking at the start about words that we use that kind of can be a bit confusing. That's kind of one of those words in some ways. We don't really use it um, outside of church. Uh, We don't really talk about repentance or repenting. Um, And it's a really important word, and it's an important biblical word, and it's an important word we should use. But I thought, well, one kind of way to understand what repentance is, in a real Aussie way, is to chuck a yui mate. It's actually we, repentance is not just about feeling bad, but it's actually about turning around. And we're going to we're going to talk about that a bit more over the next um, few weeks and kind of unpack that word. Um, that that kind of Aussie slang also doesn't fully capture the word. There's there's more to it than that. It's it's more than just Chuck and a yui it's a whole change of mind and purpose and direction. And, and, but we're going to sort of unpack that a little bit. And it's actually cool. We're going to kind of today keep going with this metaphor that, that Michael was using even of, of um, driving and, and direction and sort of pathways and roads. And we looked at that story um, of David and Bathsheba, because this is a story of a godly man, the, the king of Israel, David who defeated Goliath. Who, who loves God, is, is described as the man after God's own heart, who's become the king of Israel, who then all of a sudden one day takes a bad turn. He, he's, he makes a mistake, and then he keeps going down this path. And again, it gets worse and worse and worse, and he finds himself going down this wrong path and this wrong direction. We're going to kind of go through that story today, but we're going to preach through Psalm 32. Uh, There's there's a couple of psalms. Psalm 51 is the really famous one that that David references, what happened with David and Bathsheba. But it seems likely that Psalm 32 is talking about the same event. And David kind of um, commentating a bit on his experience and what came out of that. Um, But with with that as well, we're going to talk about how actually for us, we might be going along in life and things are pretty good. We're, we're, We're with God. We're on this path with him. Maybe coming, coming to believe him. Because we often talk about repentance as a thing that happens when you become a Christian, maybe. you sort of living life without God, kind of just living like everyone around us. We kind of just don't really, aren't really interested in him. And then there's this moment where we realize who he is, how great he is. Maybe we realize that we've been on a wrong path and we actually repent, which means to, we turn around. We actually let go of our old life and we come to Jesus and believe him and trust him. This is symbolized by baptism. There's a death to the old. There's a new life. There's a forgiveness. And that, that's normal. But sometimes we sort of think, well, okay, that's, that's when you become a Christian. It's not for later. It's not a continual thing. But we see with David, David's been a man who's following God for a long time, who then turns down a wrong path. And we see this actually a lot of the times throughout the Bible, that That the the people that God and, and Jesus will call to repent, to turn around, are often his people. They're often people who have been following him, but now they're off track. And this can be true in our lives as well, that we might be walking with him, but then we sort of take a wrong turn. And instead of sort of just turning around quickly and coming back, we sort of keep going down that wrong path. And then, like David, maybe even hide it. And hiding it actually then makes it worse. And it kind of gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And this is the amazing thing about this story, even when you read the story with David. Like, David knows God. Yet he doesn't come to God in that story. Like, he could have he realized, oh, wow, I've made this big mistake and just come to God. But he doesn't. He goes, oh, I made this big mistake. Okay, I need to cover it up. Okay, that didn't work. I'm going to do this. Okay, that didn't work. I'm going to do this. And then he ends up killing somebody. In order to try and cover up and hide this sin that that he'd started to go down this path, and that might not be true for us. Like we might we might not be guilty of, of adultery and murder, but we might go down wrong paths in our lives. And even the sort of the temptation sometimes for us can be that we kind of compare ourselves to people around us, and we might say, "Yeah, we're, we're maybe better than most people, or something like that. We're we're all good. Like, yeah, we follow God. We go to church. That's good." But actually, we're to compare ourselves with Jesus' standard. And Jesus said, if you look at someone with lust, that's adultery. And if you hate someone in your heart, that's murder. And actually, there's parts and places in our hearts when actually, we're going down a wrong path. Actually, there's there's parts that maybe don't align to God and his life and his heart. And so tonight, today, we're going to sort of talk about, well, what do we do with that? What's the right response? And what what might God even want to do in our hearts in those situations? We see what happened to David. This is Psalm 32. We're going to go through Psalm 32, but, but not in order. I'm kind of breaking it up a little bit. Um, that'll kind of make sense as we go through. But so looking at verse 3, I, I think in this Psalm, he's describing his experience after this has all happened. He's, he's covered up this thing. It's ended up with someone dying, and he hasn't come back to God. And it says this, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me, my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. He talks about this experience of he's done this wrong, but he hasn't come to God. And God's not pleased. And God is actually pushing on David, in a sense, is what he says. Your hand was heavy on me. God is actually almost coming against David, but he's actually for David. It's because he loves David that he doesn't say, "Ah, oh, no, it's all good, like, it's fine. Like, because God loves David, he actually is, is he's, in a sense, putting this pressure on him or highlighting, hey, this is not good. There's a, there's a problem here. And, and David's experiencing this, this um, death, in a sense, or this, this lack of energy and, and strength, maybe a coldness even because he's just seeking to hide and is cut off from this closeness and intimacy with God. And again, this might be true in our lives as well, that actually God doesn't just say, oh, no, it's all good. You've gone down the wrong path. It doesn't really matter. Like, like that's sort of the tolerance love message. Like, actually, I'll just love you no matter what you do. And like, that's true. But because he loves us, he will actually point to the things that actually then the paths that we're going down that are wrong. He will actually highlight them. And sometimes, and, and you may have experienced this, when, when he may be speaking and actually like, pointing and probing something that's not right, and it's actually not enjoyable at all. <laughs> it feels like this, like your hand is heavy. It actually can be painful. It actually can be confronting. But it's actually because he loves us. And he wants to say, actually, that's not a good path. That's not a good way. It's not a good direction. And he's actually going to come in love and highlight that when we're down a wrong way. And it's actually his, his love that it comes in a, in a sense of a judgment, but not in like a condemning judgment, not like a standing back and, and rejecting, but in a sense of like, actually, this thing's not good. And he's coming to, to correct and restore and to heal. But often, we might want to hide like Adam and Eve in the garden when, when they, they, they sin, and the natural reaction then is to hide, is to cover away from God. And the same may be true for us, that when we know that there's a, there's a broken spot in us or a path that we've gone down that's wrong, kind of, I think the natural reaction often is to, to hide or to downplay. Nah, it's not that bad. It's fine. Or there's all these other things that are good and we kind of self-justify or excuse Or we just kind of ignore that and just don't want to go there. That's kind of the natural response normally. And then, But God might come in love and actually highlight things. And we see that this happened to David eventually. And it seems like God's pressing on David. But then the story, and if you keep reading in, in 2 Samuel, is that God actually sends a prophet to David, tells him a parable that actually convicts him and makes him realize what he's done. And it's at that point, point. I think in some ways at that point you see that he is a godly man because then he actually does come back to God. And he says, I have sinned against the Lord. It says this in Psalm 32. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. These are the three words for sin in the Bible. I acknowledge my sin. Sin is like falling short. I've fallen short of what it means to be the king of Israel, of what it means to be a human made in God's image, did not cover up my iniquity. Iniquity is to be like crooked and bent out of shape. Actually say, God, I'm, I'm bent out of shape. And transgressions is to break trust. God, I've broken trust with you. I haven't been faithful to you. Or I haven't trusted in you. And David actually turns and comes and actually confesses and acknowledges this is before God. Instead of hiding, once it's exposed, he says, I've sinned against the Lord. And he comes in honest confession before God and, and, and just lays it out and just says, actually, I'm, I've sinned. I'm guilty. And, and often, this is actually what he calls us to do as well. That when something's highlighted, when maybe he's, he's coming and pushing on something, there's a, there's a feeling of something's not right. The thing to do is not to hide and keep pushing down that path, but to turn to come and actually just acknowledge before God, I've sinned, I'm guilty, I've fallen short, I'm broken, and confess that to Him. And that can be a really scary thing to do. Because if we acknowledge that, and we stop self-justifying, or we stop minimizing, or we stop downplaying, we acknowledge that, then we're actually at His mercy. We actually acknowledge that we have nothing To bring, or to excuse, or to sort of make it it work, or fix it. So we actually acknowledge that we are fully at God's mercy. But that's actually the best place to be, because he's a God of mercy, because he's a God of forgiveness. And David experienced this. He says, he confesses, and then he says, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. David's gone down this path, right, of evil. God pushes against him and confronts, and he confesses, and he's forgiven. He's, he's restored. And he keeps talking about this in this psalm. David's writing, and then he starts to write in the voice of God. So this is God speaking. God says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. It's like God saying to David, like, why are you going down this path? You're supposed to be on the path where I will lead you and I will guide you and I will protect you and I will surround you. That's God's heart. He says, Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, which must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. You see, the Father's heart, God's heart with David, is that he would come to him. And part of that means trucking a you, it means turning around, acknowledging. And, but then actually coming to and receiving forgiveness. So that's actually his heart. Um, it says, Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. God wants him to come back to a place of trust in him. I've read this verse differently in the past. That verse about, Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding. Just be controlled by bit and bridle. I used to read that, and I kind of just read it quickly. And I would think, well, this, this is sort of meaning don't be like a horse that has to be like, directed and steered and it won't go where, where you want it to go. Like, just submit to God and do what he says and, and obey him so he doesn't have to control you. Like, that's kind of how I read it. And, and maybe that's true to a degree, but actually what it says is don't be like one that has to be controlled by bit or bridle or they will not come to you. God's heart is that we would come to him, that we wouldn't have to be controlled and pulled, but that we would willingly come back to him. That's his heart for David. That's his heart for us. We see this in the parable of the prodigal son. he's, He's gone away down a bad path, away from his father. And then he says, I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. He just lays it out. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, and ran and embraced and kissed him. Actually see, like David, as soon as he turns, God's forgiveness is there. As soon as the prodigal son comes back, the father is waiting to run and offer compassion and forgiveness and grace, that actually he is a forgiving God. And his heart is that we don't just keep going down a path of kind of independence and trying to fix it, but actually a heart where we acknowledge and come back and actually trust and receive his forgiveness and and enjoy his mercy and enjoy his compassion afresh. This actually looks like owning up and turning around. And the turning around, it, it does involve letting go, it does involve changing, but it's primarily about coming back to a place of trust in him. Because in many ways, the wrong paths we go down can, can almost always be summarised as independence from God, or we're going to do it our way. We're going to protect ourselves. And then this is sort of even when we get to maybe there's like the the big sins that are really obvious. But then ultimately all sin is to fall short of loving God and loving others. And when we're living in a life that's around ourselves and how we protect ourselves and how we look after ourselves is an inward life that actually falls short of God's vision of love for others and, and, and love for him. And actually that's this place of independence. And what he calls us is turn around, come back. Rest in His forgiveness, in His grace, in His love and mercy. And then in this psalm, He starts talking about joy. He starts talking about He says this: "...that all the faithful pray to You, while You may be found. Surely the rising of many waters will not reach them." This is this protection. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from sh- trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Like that, the, the result of this is great songs of praise and joy. At the end of the psalm, he says this, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. You're like, upright in heart? Like, what about all this this wrong path and so forth? But he's saying, well, the upright in heart are those who have come and are honest before God and are forgiven and are made righteous in him. And now, actually, that's this place of joy. At the start of the psalm, he says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. There's this interesting mix of repentance and joy. And it's actually all through the Bible. It's in Psalm 51 as well. It's another passage in the New Testament. that This, this idea, we kind of can easily approach this idea of Repentance is just this sad religious thing of, like, we're just going to feel really bad about ourselves. Like, that's not the idea. The idea is actually, yeah, there's a sorrow for sin. There's a turning around. But the result is joy. The result is, actually, we have a God who forgives. And actually, we don't have to fix and make everything right ourselves. We come to him, and he forgives us. And we live at his mercy. And we live... By his grace. And kind of, we start the Christian life there, but sometimes we can kind of go on and easily sort of come into, well, actually, we've got to keep ourselves together and we've got to look after ourselves. and We kind of start to take it on ourselves. But actually, the whole thing is grace. Like, we're saved by grace. We're sustained by grace. Every day we need his grace. We come back in brokenness again and again, recognising that everything we have is because of his mercy and grace and forgiveness. And that actually can lead to great joy the joy of being honest before god and others of truth and the joy that he is full of grace he's a gracious merciful god when he and even even his love to come against david and point that out is because of his love and grace and even when he does that in our hearts he might he might challenge something in our hearts it's because he loves us and is full of grace and he wants us to have life and not continue on a pathway that leads to death and destruction. So there's joy from truth and grace. And actually, repentance leads to joy. Actually, uh, uh, this conviction that happens to David, that might happen to us, actually leads to a place of joy and forgiveness. There's this crazy story um, from a little book that I've kind of based a bit of um, this message on by a lady named Basilia Schlink. Um, she's a German... Lutheran nun um, who actually writes about an experience she had during World War II um, in Germany, and at the, towards the end of the war, um, she—it's crazy. She, um, the, the the I'll read a quote in a second, but I'll just sort of summarise. But the, basically, Germany had pretty much lost the war. There's there's bombing going on around her, and there's this sense of a need to repent, or even Germany need to repent, but God even wanting to start with the church and start with her. Um, and she has this encounter with God of God really convicting her of sin and, and, bro- and her being broken, but then finding a sense of renewal and, and joy. And she wants to share this with the, the youth, the, this like girls' youth group that she's looking after. So she takes them on a retreat. While there's like bombs going off, they go on a youth retreat. And God meets them powerfully, and they actually feel sorry and broken and convicted of sin. But they talk about the the great joy that came out, that actually God was so present. And there's this renewal of life and joy and closeness to God that came out of this experience. It's crazy. This is just one quote from this book. She said, The German army was defeated. The Allies entered the city. But we who had gone to the depths of sorrow for our sins... And turned from them in true repentance, were finding heaven amidst the destruction. The distress of war vanished in the reality of heaven, which was there. She's on a used retreat, being bombed. The country's just lost. Yet they're saying they're in heaven. God's presence is so close and at work in them. There's just this renewal movement that happens, and then she, her whole book is about. That. She's just so convinced that this is such an important thing to to value what God will do in our hearts and even to pray for the gift of of repentance and and coming and recognizing sin and coming back to forgiveness and grace. This is, um, we see this even in Psalm 51. David said this the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Actually, just coming before God honestly. Coming before God, not needing to put on a show, not needing to be fake, not needing to work something up, but actually coming before him in humility. And actually, that's what he wants. That's what he loves. That, that's what he, he responds to. And this is not at all saying that, yeah, like, like David, when he's saying this, is not saying that sacrifice is not important, or when we might sort of contextualize this, we're not saying like worship's not important, but it's, it's the heart posture of actually we come before God as people in need of his grace and, and who have received his grace. And from that place, we, we, we sacrifice or we worship, we, we offer ourselves to him. Tim Keller said this, the gospel is this, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. There's actually a... a, a an immensity of joy that when we realise actually we've been down this bad path or well, actually our hearts are more corrupt than we thought then we actually realise well actually his love and his mercy is even greater than we ever imagined and this again is not at all saying well therefore it just doesn't matter you can sin as much as you want that's not the point at all like, like the point is to forsake it and to come and receive his mercy and grace then he gives us a new heart and he puts his spirit in us so that we can follow him but that then we continue on this journey of actually even each day just being aware, actually we fall short of you this way, Lord, and come back to turn again, receive his mercy again, and actually value that actually God will work in our hearts. And this might be in certain seasons even. There might be a season where he's actually really highlighting something, and actually it's good. It might be painful, but it's good. And actually it's a pathway to joy. There might be other seasons where actually we're in a season of joy and actually we know we're forgiven and there's grace and it's good to be in that season of joy. Um, but be aware of how he works and that, he, he, that actually this is something to, to be aware of, that he might be highlighting something and to, to cooperate and to, to walk with that as well. That this actually is a place that leads to joy. So I don't know where you might be this morning or maybe how that might have that, that idea or that message might relate um, but like Greg said um, at the start, what we're going to do to finish the service is actually have a few songs, um, like a, a bit more of a space. And part of the reasoning behind that is just giving some space uh, to open ourselves to God. Um, maybe even this morning there's, there's paths and issues that that you're aware of that maybe he's even putting some pressure on and highlighting. And actually there's an opportunity over the next little bit to to bring that to him in response um, through worship or through prayer. Um, maybe coming to him and just really honestly naming whatever that is and, and speaking it and confessing it and receiving his forgiveness. Maybe, maybe there's a need to, maybe, maybe there's even a sense of, well, yeah, that all sounds really good, but I just can't do that or I just don't feel that or I'm just not, I'm not sure about any of that. And maybe there's just an opportunity to actually just pray and ask God Say, so God, is there is there something in my life that you want to speak to me about? Is there a path I'm going down that doesn't honor you that you want to highlight? Or well, God, would you soften my heart? My heart feels cold and and distant. Would you soften it? Would you would you convict it? And, and would you bring me back to this place of joy in you and closeness with you? So there's an opportunity to respond just to God um, with God as we sing. Um, and maybe you're in a place of just joy for forgiveness and there's an opportunity to sing and to worship and to praise um, and, and just enjoy him as well. Uh, so we're going to spend a bit of time to respond. Um, and if, if you would like to have someone pray for you in that response as well, you, you're always welcome to talk to people around you and ask for prayer or you may come forward um, and I'll be down here if you'd like like some prayer as well. Um, but let's just use the rest of the service this morning to, to seek God. To ask what he might want to say, what he might want to do, and, and to respond from our hearts to him. So I'm going to invite the band to come back up, and maybe we could all stand um, together. And let's, let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you're a God who loves us and you're full of mercy and grace and compassion and that you love us and are jealous for our hearts and Lord even this morning areas in our hearts that have not honoured you or away from you that you want to highlight we just ask um, that you would do that by your spirit Um, God you would reveal your forgiveness and grace afresh Um, so would you just meet us in this next little bit Holy Spirit we just ask that you would come and have your way And do whatever you want to do in our midst. In your name we pray.